0: Welcome to Unspooled.
1: I'm Amy Nicholson and
0: I am Paul Shear and this is the podcast rural regularly. We talk about a movie on the AFI Top 100 list, but we're taking a break from that this week to talk about the Oscars and all the great movies that came out in this past year. Uh, we just wanted to kind of take a moment to reflect as we gear up for Sunday. Maybe give you some tips and tricks on how to fill out your Oscar ballot because I'm pretty good at it. Amy, are you good at your Oscar ballot?
1: No, I'm terrible because I can't just stop checking what I want to win. I can. Oh, I cannot really? Get in the
0: oh, so you go with your heart?
1: I am. That's that's who you know. That's no, what I do you gotta for be, everything.
0: You gotta go in there, and you gotta look at what else is winning. You I gotta can't. go in there. You gotta you gotta just get the money. Get no the way. money.
1: I want to look at my ballot and feel morally pure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, before we get into Oscar talk, let's just uh, briefly touch on what we talked about last week, uh, which was the apartment. And there's so much great feedback about Billy Wilder. This is like a fan favorite. I feel like of every director that we've done. This is the one that people really rally behind.
1: Yeah, people really adored this. And it was fascinating watching people talk about the influence of the apartment in the films they really love. Yeah. Emily dot 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 Dickinson won't take your shit at Ballroom Pink. Um, (laughs) She wrote, I consider the apartment my favorite movie. And it was sort of remade in 2000 with Loser. And also, I feel almost famous has apartment vibes, which is really true. And something we should have brought up. Like, Cameron Crowe loves loves Wilder, did a whole conversational book with him, tried to actually get Wilder to be in Jerry Maguire. Yes. And tried so hard, brought Tom Cruise over, was like, come on, let's all hang out. And Wilder was like, yeah. But yeah, I think Cameron Crowe the most has tried to put that reins on. And I think, I mean, We Bought a Zoo is very Wilder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, But I will say, if you are interested in uh, Billy Wilder, I think those conversations are great. That book is amazing. I, we referenced it a few times on this show, and someone actually brought up in that book, they uh, give us a little insight on where the name Sheldrake came from. We talked about how he used that name Sheldrake a bunch, and it comes from an athlete, a basketball player, who played for UCLA called Ed Sheldrake, and you can actually see a picture of Ed uh, in that book, and we actually posted a picture of it on our Twitter feed as well. Um you know, and also people were saying that there's a lot of influences of the apartment in films that you wouldn't normally see. Uh, Peter Crooks at Popcorn Picks said that uh, Sam Mendes and Alan Ball said that the apartment was a part of American beauty, which is an interesting idea when you think of it. I would never have thought that. But when, when you I understand the ideas of it, I guess, yeah, there's some elements yeah, to some it there. some
1: anti-corporate, some frustration in your position in the world. Yeah. I, you know, I'm... I mean, in a way, I think American Beauty kind of segues into us talking about the Oscars because that's an example of a movie that won so many Oscars that now we hate it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And
1: and I, I don't know if we can watch American Beauty just the way it is. Like, I love the one of the my favorite arguments about American Beauty's importance, which I think we actually talked about when I did we had an episode on it for the canon was that it's the last pre two thousand one. 9 11 movie.
0: Yeah, where you're just and I'm like I'm glad that you're using 9 11 now. Thank you.
1: Not I've been 11. schooled. <laughs> you know, you put a bunch of numbers in row. How do you want me to say uh. that? But, but yeah, that it it comes from a time where we really thought the biggest problem facing men and women was our own boredom at our luxury and our lifestyle and our life of comfort Ugh. that nothing interesting will ever happen to us again.
0: I know. So I watching know. American
1: Beauty now, I think the last time I watched it was maybe four years ago. I felt nostalgic for that time of just inertia.
0: Well, you know, it was really interesting. I did a live read. Uh, Jason Reitman uh, did these live reads of classic scripts and anything from Ghostbusters to um, His Girl Friday. And we did uh, American Beauty. And we did it later. You know, I think it's probably four or five years ago now. And um, Adam Driver played the uh, – was, was it uh,
1: – He played the he West. Trash Bag?
0: Yeah, he played the trash bag kid. Um and he was phenomenal in that role. And um Brian Cranston played the Kevin Spacey role and it was really interesting because I really appreciated what Kevin Spacey did in that part even more after seeing Brian Cranston do it because I think Brian Cranston did a great job, but there was something and this is a, an odd thing to say, but there was something, like, very sexual about Kevin Spacey in that part that um, I didn't really notice until I saw another version of it. And, again, Brian Cranston was great. It was a live read of the thing. It just was, like, it was something that I didn't ever pick up on, that Kevin Spacey had this, like, sexy energy that was a little bit more under the surface um, that you wouldn't always, uh, you know, equate with him. Now, obviously, he's much more mired in a lot of different things that maybe that was uh, coming from a lot of different places. But, but who yeah. are
1: you? Were you Minasavari?
0: I was Mina Savari. Uh, no, I don't even know. Like whenever I did those live reads, I was always like ten characters, and sometimes I'd have a good scene in there. I think I might have been Peter Gallagher. I think I—I I feel like I was Peter Gallagher, uh, and and a few other uh, little things across the way. Those movies sometimes get locked in amber because they were of a time and place like a Forrest Gump, and I don't feel like they always deserve to retain that time and place. I feel like, yeah, that's what we wanted right then. And now we've gone past it. And I think the most interesting films are the films that you can revisit that don't feel, uh, you know, of the moment. And, I mean, you know, that that's is
1: interesting. I wonder if we're ever in a calmer cultural moment, if we'll go back to the 90s films and like them more than we do today?
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, the 90s, there was a lot of. It, there's a lot of different vibes going on there. I feel like we didn't know what we were. I feel like the 90s were like movie high school. It was sort of like, I'm this now. Now I'm this, but I'm also this. Like, you know, it was like, you know, I didn't feel like there was hard R's really at that point. And there was, you know, comedies were a little bit softer. And there like just like a real mixed bag. I feel like uh, Wedding Crasher is sort of, started to take over the new comedy reigns later on. And the dramas became more independent, like independent films became more independent. There was like, there's this weird middle ground where like, everything independ- got
1: trickier. They're like, Oh no, now we've got to do like time inversions and scripts. Jumbles. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: I'd love to look at the nineties like that. Um, but, uh, Amy, last week uh, you weren't here because you were on assignment in Sundance watching all of next year's Oscar films. But we decided uh, to ask everybody if they could come up with a category that doesn't exist that they would like to then award an Oscar to that category. So uh, you'll get the idea of it. Take a listen to these calls.
2: The award for Is That fesbian Actually Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs or Just Really Good at Acting goes to... Mr. William Defoe for The Lighthouse. For our next award, Best Use of Full Frontal Male Nudity, Ritual Suicide, and Heavy, Dense Florals Used in a Non-Traditional Manner, the Oscar goes to Midsummer.
1: Hi, I would like to nominate Knives Out for Best Poirot That Was Not a Poirot.
2: Hi, I was calling to nominate The Lighthouse for Best Flatulence and also The Lighthouse for best performance by a bird.
0: Best comedic musical suicide montage goes to
2: Happy Death Day to you.
0: My winner for the most emblematic moment of 2019, the image from the movies that most embodies the year is from Parasite, from uh, the girl trying to get cell phone coverage while sitting on an exploding toilet and shit raining up on her, perfectly sums up 2019. Have a great one.
1: Well, I will settle for any Oscar going to Midsummer. I'll take it. <laughs> yes, thank you. And uh, happy death day to you. That I that montage was truly special.
0: Happy Death Day is a good film. Like it is a legit fun horror film, and I feel like it doesn't get. I don't know if it's the title. But it doesn't get the um, the proper props. I feel like it's as good as I mean, it's probably high praise. But in that vein of scream, like we don't have those kind of really fun horror films like that. You know, I think Get Out is a really like fun audience experience. I think Midsommar is really dark, and I don't even call that like a full horror film. But I, I just like. I like a little bit more of a, a comedy horror. I, I miss those. That's something the 90s did great.
1: It, it did. And Jessica Roth, I think, is so great in those Happy Death Day movies. Mm. And you just had a birthday. I did. Did you spend the entire birthday singing, hey, it's your birthday? I
0: did. I did do that. And I wore that baby mask around, uh, <laughs> which I didn't know if that was right or wrong to do. Well, uh, I it did say, get me arrested.
1: Having just come back from Sundance, yeah. there are some great comedy horror movies coming Ooh, out. Oh, great. My favorite was probably uh, Bad Hair. Which
0: I've heard so much about. Oh. Uh, I'm so excited. It's fantastic. I read that script and I think it is really, really good.
1: It is so good. It's by Justin Simien who does Dear White People. It's about a killer weave. It's set in 1989. And what I had no idea the extra joy of this incredibly smart movie is going to be was that he's making fun of all the pop people of 1989 with these pitch, perfect Janet Jackson imitators, like another Bad Creation imitators. I cannot wait. There's all these music videos within it. It's so great. Well,
0: you know – we, we kind of blew through some of these calls. I just want to say there's a lot of calls for awards to go to The Lighthouse for non-acting awards. But really, I think The Lighthouse is one of those movies that really, if you saw it, made people not question. But I, I like a movie like this. And A24 does these kind of films that are always, I think, really memorable. We talked a lot last year about uh, Sorry to Bother You right? And and that it kind of, you're talking about bad hair, that makes me think like there's similarities there. And I feel like The Lighthouse is not similar to those movies at all, but such a unique vision that no one else could make it. And I love that for the people who saw Lighthouse, it really, I feel like there's a little club of, did you see it? How many times have you seen it? And I don't even know if I liked it. And I love that kind of the staying power for a movie this year. And, you know, it's it's a movie that I guess if as we get into this Oscar conversation, you know, it's not really acknowledged. I think that people thought Willem Dafoe was going to get nominated, right? But he didn't. Um, and there's not really that much, you know, uh, in the in the main categories of Lighthouse. I may be wrong in that there's one, like, in another part, like visual it effects. It got or cinematography, some, Oh, yeah. cinematography, which is really interesting because when you look at that in 1917, that's the biggest differences of cinematography you could possibly have. And I love that, that, you know, I know there's a lot of problems with, you know, all these awards, but I love that we can have a scope like that, you know, like two people doing very different things visually. Um, and they, you know, one I'd argue is almost not cinematic. I mean, I feel like lighthouse is, it is, is like the anti 1970s, the anti IMAX it's, it's, you know, but it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully executed. I don't know. I love it.
1: I wonder how our DP friend Michael Chapman, who we had on here when we talked about Raging Bull, I wonder how he'd feel about Joker being nominated for cinematography. Uh,
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sure he's like, uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with it. Uh, (laughs) We're also going to talk about The Spoolies, which is the awards that our Facebook group put together for their uh, best picks of performances and movies. We'll get to that in a little bit. Before we even talk about Oscars, Amy, I want to give you a pitch, and I want to see if you agree with it or disagree with it. Besides these movies that are in the conversation for the Academy Awards. I think this is a shitty year for movies. Like, I like general movies. I love these movies. Like, every movie here in the best picture, I am I am pretty much a fan of. We, we'll break it down. But I'm looking at this list of all the movies this year, and I'm like, it was an okay year. I mean, you know, Avengers, Endgame, Game, you know where I, fa- I, I fall on that. But then look at the other movies that are kind of Out this year. And this is like in order of uh, how much money they made. Lion King 2, Frozen 2, uh, Rise of Skywalker, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Maleficent, It Chapter 2, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Secret Life of Pets 2, Alita Battle Angel, which I liked, but it was, you know, whatever. Uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Dumbo, you know, Terminator Dark Fate, Uh, Men in Black International, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Glass, uh, Adam's Family, Downton Abbey the Movie, Lego Movie 2, Abominable, like uh, Gemini Man, uh, Spies in Disguise, Escape Room, Angry Birds 2, Zombieland, Double Tap. I can go on and on, but this is like not a pet cemetery. Like this is not a great like lineup. And that's the first like 60 movies. I've admitted a few, but
1: you know, you've admitted a lot of Disney ones. Otherwise they'd be taking over the entire top 10. (laughs) But I mean, that's like, not like, that's not an
0: exciting year of popcorn movies. And I, I'm always a a fan and want to support great popcorn movies too. And it's a lot of like sequels that were not as good as the other ones. It was ones that were like, yeah, that was fine. But like, I, I, you know, we'll talk about these like great films with amazing performances, but For me, I was a little bummed out. Like it wasn't like my favorite, like, ooh, you got to go see it uh, movie, you know, for the big ones.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I even feel that way about the best picture list for the Oscars where I look at this list and, you know, as just a reminder of everything Mm -hmm. that's in the best picture nomination. Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Woman, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. And when I look at that list, I think, you know, it's respectable, to be honest. There's mm-hmm. not a lot on here that I would totally make fun of besides Joker. Mm-hmm. And Joker has also deserved a place at this table. That's fine. Right. They're all fine. You know, It's fine. This is a fine list. It's mm-hmm. pretty impeccable. If you put forth that list as your top nine of the year, it'd be like, okay, fine. Right. You're You're a confusing person, but that's fine. <laughs> and yet, we're in such an interesting moment in history right now. We're having so many conversations as a culture about who we are and what we stand for. And I look at that list and I'm like... It's over half, overwhelmingly over half, period pieces, you know, things about how things used to be. Yeah. And I think, like, I want – we need to be talking about the now during the now, which is why I am I like at least the parasites in that conversation well, because think- I would look at this list. You know, we talk a lot about, like, oh, in 1969, this is what was nominated. And if people in the future looked at this list from 2020 in this really weird moment in history – They would be like, what was wrong with those people? Why aren't they talking about anything important?
0: But do you feel like we're such a polarized country right now where people are firmly in their beliefs that you can't have a movie that really unites? It's not like a time for a movie like Weathering Heights where everyone's like, no, we agree with this. It's like – so people stay away from it. But I look at the – the Metacritic's top 20 films, and I go, oh, well, this is not You know, like it's not very different than the best picture ones. It's Parasites number one, and uh, Once Upon a Time, uh, Uncut Gems is on that one, Portrait of Lady on Fire, which I have not seen but heard amazing stuff about. Um, you know, Little Women, Knives Out, um, The Farewell, which is a movie that I feel like, you know, uh, was surprised to not be on this list. Um, you know, there's some really, you know, Book Smart, uh, Midsomar. Uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco, which I thought actually addresses what you're talking about. Like that yeah. was a really interesting film that I don't know if it came out too early or it didn't have enough star power in it. But that was a movie that I, I really thought was going to kind of come in and and be a surprise film because, like Parasite, it talks about gentrification to a certain degree and it talks about you know the rich uh, moving in and, and and pushing people out. You know, it, it's a very it's and and I would argue. Uh, that last black man in San Francisco is almost more relevant culturally to us. You know, we're, you know, obviously parasites, uh, which I'm blown away that we have a, a movie. Am, am I right or wrong? That it's very rare that you'd have a movie, like a foreign language. Oh, film really no yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it like, it. it's interesting that that's the one that like pff, connected to it. And I don't know if it's because of the violence in it and the, and the horrorness of it. Like, you know, people living under the stairs kind of element of it. Um, and I'm not saying that in a way that belittles the movie. But I think there's something like a little bit more, uh, you know, it pulls you in a little bit more. Like, you know, for me, everybody that I talked to Parasite about before I saw it was like, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Don't know anything about it. And I didn't. And it was – it blew my mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly what I'm feeling is the Oscar list this year is fine. But it's not what I find at all exciting about what happened in movies. I think there's a lot of fascinating stuff right. happening in movies right now that really thrills me. And none of it made it on this ballot. Mm. And so I'm kind of like, uh. Eh. Because I love Last Black Man in San Francisco, I think that movie is terrific. I loved Waves. I love, of course, Uncut Gems. I loved so yeah. many interesting indie movies that came out this year that I think are really raw and fun, and they feel fresh to me. Yeah, they feel alive. Yeah. and and I would I I feel like we're going to be a little embarrassed when we look back at this year and say like, how did we miss all of these great things? Well, I how mean, how did we not nominate them? But I get that's a, par for the course, I suppose. But well, it feels like we're are, really stubbornly blind right now.
0: This is a very showy. Like, we're talking about the best picture. Like, this is a very showy, like, clean version of what a Hollywood movie is. It's a respectable, and I'm not going to say independent, but some of these are independent. Like, there are varying levels of that. I mean, Joker's a really interesting thing. And you want to talk about addressing what's going on. And let's let's break it open. Obviously, like, I always believe that, and I know we talked about the Joker a little bit, but I believe that when something is is winning all these things like like people always say like well i don't you know that person's not funny i'm like well if they're selling out stadiums they are funny they're not funny to you right so i have to say to me like i did not like the joker i like joaquin's performance in the joker i think it's one of the best performances in the entire year but it's not my movie but i have to look at it and go like well but clearly people like it and i think it is talking about something that is is what you're saying. It is addressing something in our culture, and I think two different groups are looking at this movie and getting two different things from it. You know,
1: I agree, and I don't. And I also don't want to say that the things that I like about this list that I'm sounding like I think they're safe were safe. I think mm-hmm. Ford versus Friday. I think a studio like Fox, RIP to the name Fox, mm-hmm. making a very big quality, really yeah. enjoyable classic picture classic two movie star picture the kind of picture i wish that studios were making more of i feel like in the 80s and 90s we had an embarrassment of riches in pictures like ford versus ferrari to have a ford versus Ferrari this year felt new again to me it's hard for me to get excited about giving it any awards but but i was so happy to see it
0: but to me i feel like ford versus ferrari is just a good movie but because of the caliber of stars it's like oh yeah that that should be the best picture it's like no no you can just make a good movie like that I mean also it's a crazy movie like let's just <laughs> I think about this the other day the idea that you have a movie where you know you are rooting for Ford again like <laughs> you know you're like oh we gotta Ford's gotta get in there because Ferrari's this mom and pop shop which they you know they're like we're craft everything and we're we're building this engine we're doing this whole thing it's like well god damn it we got Ford's the, the getting screwed over by the damn Italian uh, artisan manufacturers. Yeah, it's I, like
1: McDonald's versus In-N-Out.
0: <laughs> but I mean, but to your point, I agree. Like that's a good. It's a good movie. It's a fun. But yeah. it's not like. I had
1: so much fun. My toes got numb, the, the eternal sign of yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> I immediately got out and, like, I, I remember speeding out of the Fox parking lot and mm-hmm. cutting off one of my friends I just to be it. like, haha. <laughs> I, I called my uncle immediately, who likes to race Mustangs. And yeah. I've gotten to ride his Mustang around the track a couple times. Oh, wow. And I was like, you're going to love it. And he's like, my, my auto team already has tickets. <laughs> and it was just, I was glad to see that movie. I'm glad that there's a place for that movie because. In a way, that movie is going as extinct as – more extinct than the indie films that I love and champion.
0: But I feel like that – but, you know, hopefully you can make more of those movies because it clearly worked at the box office too. I mean, you know, again, talking about something that I think is talking about our time, the more I think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a movie that I really responded to this year. And I think about that movie – I think the idea or the underlying thing in some of these movies is like masculinity. Like, you know, like – you know. I think you can say that about Jojo Rabbit. I think you can say that about a Joker. I think you can say that about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think this idea of like the death of like the masculine man and where do you fit in in the society as a society kind of changes around you. And I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is even more layered than I realized on on alternate viewings. And but it, it's still a very unique vantage point. It's like it's like all right, well. Is toxic masculinity, and and, I am, and that's an overused term, but I, but it, masculinity. Is it say masculinity? Uh, I mean, that kind of seems boring to me. Like that's the only thing that we can kind of touch on too. Like, is that the only thing that we're interested in? You know, we we've talked about you know Oscars so white. We've talked about you know the lack of representation of uh, you know female filmmakers. Um, and I read something this week. Did you do you agree with this or not? Like someone was saying there should be, and I'm sorry, I'm not attributing this quote to whoever said it, but there should be a female directing category as well. Because I said, if you think of it like this, if there was this, an acting category, would women be as represented in that category? Would we lean more towards men? And I thought, wow, that's a fascinating point of view. Like, you know, we, have, we don't have an acting category. We have a male and female acting category. And and if, if we took that away I guarantee you, it would be more heavily male than it would be female. Don't you believe that? Like- I
1: do believe it. Yeah, because I mean, especially, especially there are certain years we feel like they're scraping the bottom of the barrel for supporting female performances. They're just yeah. like, that's a woman that was in a movie I saw. I guess she gets nominated. Yep, yeah. you know, sorry, Rachel McAdams in in um, the movie about the molesting kids in the church. But yes, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder. Like, I mean, could it be a thing where there's training wheels? Where for 10 years, we have a best female Oscar as well. Right. And then um, and then see, like, if by the time we level everybody up, we can take them away and then have them compete head to head.
0: I mean, I just, I think it would be a very interesting experiment to be like, well, we've already broken down these categories by sex already. Like, you don't have to break down the best picture by sex, but why not? Because it clearly seems like that is an issue, that we can't. Not that it has to be even, but it seems like we're looking at a trend, and the trend is always this thing. You know, and speaking about directing and and who's nominated as directors, there are, you know, names on this list that seem like they've been around for a long time. And that's nothing... Bad about that. It just sort of, there doesn't seem to be that much new blood on this list. I mean, even Todd Phillips has been making movies for a long time. Like, there's not like a new voice that is on here that I also feel like is exciting to see. I think when you saw somebody like Jordan Peel, you know, on that list, it was like, oh, wow, like, you know, you're embracing. New and old, and and different voices. Like
1: if the Safties had made it on this list. Oh, Lorraine Scafaria for Hustlers. Yes.
0: I mean, you know, you could even make an argument for Olivia Wilde for Book Smart. You know, it's like there are some younger voices that I feel like aren't necessarily being represented here. And, you know, that is an interesting thing. You know,
1: yeah, I get a little weary when I look at the directing category too, because you have. Todd Phillips ripping off early Scorsese with the Joker, and mm. then you have Martin Scorsese kind of riffing off his earlier films for two right. thirds. The kind of but indie he's allowed to thirds. do that. He's allowed to. Uh, make but it. also, do we have like if I was drawing the same cartoon horse I did in first grade, I wouldn't get a statue.
0: Oh man. I, <laughs> I'm, I, sorry.
1: I, I, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, right. I I like the last third of the Irishman, and I just I would fast forward through the entire first two thirds. All right. All right, to get I, there. Mean, so I, I just wish he had made the film he wanted to make instead of rehashing the film that he had made.
0: I don't need to keep on like banging this drum for Tarantino, but I, I do believe that I like the way that he kind of consistently evolves and it's a little bit surprising. And, you know, even going into that movie, I was like, oh, I, I feel like he's a director that really is taking his shots. I know he's going to retire at a certain point And, you know, I think we have like what? One more movie. He left? says one more. Yeah, if I was
1: gonna place a bet. We can place a bet now. Okay, yeah. I like to bet with you. Yeah, sure. My bet is his tenth movie. It'll be like six or seven years, and it's gonna be the best kids movie. And it's gonna get a whole generation of kids. He'll be a dad by that right. time, hooked on going to the movies. Because I think that clearly matters to oh, the movies wow. stay alive. I love that. So I think he's gonna buy his time, and, and they come out with like the ultimate. Bad news bears. If Goonies was actually good, something like that.
0: Wait a second. Hold on. Don't, (laughs) don't you sneak a thing like that in there, Uh, you son of a bitch. Uh, You know, I definitely see that he's doing something very unique. I obviously, Bong Joon Ho, I think, is so interesting as a filmmaker and so different in what he does uh, so i'm i'm a I'm a fan there and I, I think that everything that Sam mendes does is really always beautiful. but why the hatred on nineteen seventeen? I mean this is like a, a backlash is happening now in a way that I'm just like, whoa, like how do we go from being wow, that's so cool to this sucks. this is not as good. people are I mean or at least online, I am seeing, such tremendous backlash to this film.
1: I know I'm so tired of online backlash for everything. Yeah, it makes me weary of Oscars in general, because um, right, it's just it's rewarding. It's almost rewarding the films that don't get nominated at ever, ever, mm-hmm. because then they get to go down as our heroes. Like right. Last Black Man in San Francisco will survive as a hero of this year because it's going to get nominated. But if Last Black Man was up for Best Picture, people be like, "Well, it's okay," and then right. they'd start tearing it apart. I mean, for me. I like nineteen seventeen a lot. It just frustrates me only in that our big statement for twenty twenty for the future is like war was really bad a hundred and three years ago. I'm like yeah. yes, it was. Yes, it was. I mean, here we are. Like I'm worried about World War Three that's happening, and we're talking about World War One still. And I'm like, it's a great, it's a great way of having that story feel fresh through the cinematography. Right. But you know, I mean,
0: it's kind of combining two things that I feel like. Um- is bait for Academy Awards, which is, yeah. we talked before about Birdman.
1: classic story.
0: Yeah, well, but Birdman was another one where it's like, oh my gosh, it was in one shot, and it's so exciting. And this idea of like a little bit of a magic trick, right? Like, yeah. So I think that that always gets people talking. And whether that's even in the Avatar magic trick, whoa, I've never seen 3D like this. So I think the Academy always embraces that, like yeah. this cool little thing. And then the war film. I mean, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a very... Simple thing. I think the the war film and the movie about showbiz performers that life are often shoo-ins. You yeah. know, for a, a type of, you know, a down the middle. Like I said to you early on in the show, not in this show, but a couple of weeks ago, I thought Jojo Rabbit would be the movie that would kind of take this award season by storm, just because it felt like it cut through some of the difference. It was like, it is a war movie, but it's a coming of age story. Uh, but it also feels subversive because you have the Hitler element to it. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, had great uh, actors in it. You know, it just, it felt like that was the movie that, hey, uh, you know, the, you know, Joker feels like it's pushing too much or, you know, or, or, uh, you know, it just felt like the movie that was going to kind of unite down the middle. Yeah. I was totally wrong. Um, I mean, mean, with
1: me, I just feel like Jojo Rabbit, it makes all these allusions to things where there should be jokes happening. Mm -hmm. You know, like Hitler showing up when he gets hurt, like, I'm Hitler. Oh, no, you're hurt. Yeah. And that's really the only joke is that Hitler's there being like, oh, no, you're hurt. There's no extra joke on top of that. Hitler doesn't say anything that funny. Right. He's just kind of there. And I'm like, what if you actually wrote the joke to fill in the space where the joke is, that the joke is just embodied by him?
0: Right. And I think his performance is so... I don't know, kind of electric in it. I I really just was taken by the story of that movie. I I really loved just the mother-son relationship. And this is, you know, the new version of me where I I'll cry at anything, but that like You're that kind of dad. I am. I love it. I love it How all. How do you feel about
1: the term dad movie? Cuz people are calling like for Yes. A movie. You're a dad that's
0: movie. not that's like boomer movie it should be called because it's not like like not like that movie doesn't appeal to me because I'm a dad you know that that's a boomer movie i mean and, and that's a fine movie like it's like i mean maybe it is a dad i don't know i it doesn't feel like like I, i'm in a different I mean, like a it's like my dad i it was like suv versus uh, by the way Ferrari? it's not an suv it's a fucking minivan oh, get I'm your sorry. facts straight sorry. Minivan that shit is versus a chrysler Ferrari. pacifica <laughs> minivan Two TVs, one vacuum cleaner. Let's do this. USB plugs, regular plugs. I can do it all.
1: I will watch the movie about you and your van. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I love that band. Um but no, I don't know. I mean dad like dad movie to me feels like my dad's movie. Like, you know, like, like that, you know, maybe it's a, a subtle distinction. But, but
1: you're the dad now, dog. Right? I
0: am the dad now. But no, for me, I'm like, I, anything that like I maybe I'm I'm uh, I'm so warped. I'm I, I'm a warped person because I don't know what's too extreme because I think of my background in comedy has made me been like so closed off to like, oh, yeah, that's nothing that bad. And then I also now am like so open that if – you just put like a mother and a son, or a dad and a son. You make some allusion to something. I'm like, oh, like, and that, like, and that rocked me. That the the last act of Jojo Rabbit rocked me.
1: I, I think just- that's wonderful. You're like a xylophone, where you have all the keys working. You can go from the <laughs> highest to the lows. That's beautiful. You're an emotional xylophone. I, I
0: don't mind. I don't mind crying. I like. A, I like a good cry. Um, I mean,
1: if I was going to make calls here, I would like. Parasite to win Best Picture. Yes. Because I, I like everything about that on paper. And I also really like the film a lot. I like that it's bold. I like yes. that it's international. I like that we're in a moment where I do think we are moving internationally with Hollywood. I like that and to represent the fact that we are now much more of a global business than yes. even 10 years ago. I think Ban Juho, this is my favorite probably of his films.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. I've liked all of his films. And he's such a huge deal. When we were in Korea this summer. Yeah. Um, they have the statue of the giant monster from um, the host is like on. They have a giant statue oh, of it on whoa. the riverbank in, when you're going between um, where we were, which is uh, Bouchon to Seoul. It's just right there on the whoa. river. Yeah. So I like that. I like us saying like, we love your films. we we'll Yeah, do it. Um, but I would want Quentin Tarantino to win for directing. Because I think that that film was just, you know. I'm sure he's a shoe in for screenplay, which is fine. But like, I would rather him get an award for directing and for a film like that. I think the effort involved in this remaking Hollywood Boulevard to look the way it did, making all these choices—not just in the screenplay, but the way he shot things, filmed things, used I, yeah. Margot Robbie's image to summon emotions out—that I think there's even some conflicts in the film between the screenplay and the directorial choices, where it made it like, what does he mean? What does he mean right. in the Bruce Lee scene? What does he mean by this? And piecing apart this film. And what everyone who saw it thought it meant has been, to me, my favorite conversations of the year. Yeah. And so because of that, because of the tension in this whole project that nobody went into it and saw the same thing in all of his choices on the page and behind the camera – I want this to get represented for Best Director.
0: I mean, I would love that. I would also argue, not argue against you, but argue with you, alongside you to say- In tandem. In tandem. To say that I think- Uh, As just us, two
1: Hollywood kids on the road
0: in the car. Is that, you know, I think what Quentin Tarantino does here in this film, or at least from what I understand, is he has opened himself to other people weighing in on his work. Like, it feels like- you know, Brad Pitt, DiCaprio, like that scene in the trailer, that's a, you know, that seemingly is DiCaprio being like, I have this, like, let's kind of do this together. I think that that's why you're not really, I mean, as a WGA member, that script has not come out to me yet. Like that, you know, I've gotten scripts for every other, every other script, uh, you know, but that one I'm, I'm curious because I I wonder if they need to get the real, um shoot up like the the version that we've seen like not the version that was actually written I think there's a lot of people that weighed in and and maybe opened him up a little bit and we've seen this in the past like oh and Kubrick is working with somebody else and and they took that idea and they just kind of moves him a little bit off center because he's an amazing director and he's an amazing writer and all that sort of stuff but it kind of creates a better product and I think that that this movie does show like a growth and also, it's a little less Tarantino, but in a way, because these actors got to do their own thing, you know, or just weighed in a little bit more. I think you it. No, I feel up that
1: the... generosity. Like yeah. You feel a generosity for the creative process and everybody on that set.
0: Yeah, I, 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 there's something about that, and you know, I do fear that what you're gonna get is, you know, nineteen seventeen, nineteen seventeen for best director and and best picture. I, you know, it. I could be wrong. I don't fear it, but I feel like. Oh, it's not as exciting to me as some of the other
1: combinations. Yeah, because I think like 1917, it is a great feat of directing in terms of the difficult mechanical work of how did you get this done? How did you get all your department heads here? But it doesn't have the layers of interpersonal performance that I like to see. Yeah. That I think we over that we talk about this a lot. That I think it gets overshadowed in directing. You know how good a director is at getting emotions out, at working with his people to create something complicated and layered. And those performances are great, but it's mostly the note of terror and oh my god, right? And it, they're great, great, great. And look, great, I've great, watched great, the behind-the-scenes
0: footage of that. Uh, you know, uh, of that sequence, you know, where where he's running, you know, it's like a, where there's a camera behind the camera. It's, it's, it's you know, it's like watching an OK Go video. It's awesome. You know, you just want to say, wow, how did they do that?
1: An I, Oscar for that one where they go to space.
0: <laughs> but I, I feel like um, Parasite might fall into the category of Roma, uh, mm. you know, where it is a foreign film. It is something that most people uh, are just not going to – Put the vote down for it because – and, you know, I think the BAFTAs has something where you have to use the honor system where you have to say, I've actually seen these movies before you can vote on them. And, you know, we don't have that here. Uh, and I think that a lot of it is – Fair
1: elections.
0: It's true. I mean, it there is something really interesting. I mean, I've heard Meryl Streep even uh, say, like, oh, I don't – you know – if I haven't seen enough to make these choices, and I don't think people do that. Mm-hmm. I think people are just like, oh yeah, I heard that's good, or I'm voting for that, yeah. or you know. But that's I,
1: weird because I think in the lesser categories they're more strict on that. Like I think you have to watch yes. all the international features, for example. So it's weird that with the biggest showboat prize of the year, that it wouldn't be as strict.
0: Well, I think there's a, I think there's an idea that you know, for a lot of the smaller categories, just the film editors are nominating the film editing yeah. award, you know. Uh, but everyone gets a vote on best picture. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's it's something about. There's something about. Roma and Parasite that feels very similar to me.
1: What, we're outsourcing our conscience to little independent films that we pat on the head.
0: Well, I think it's like yeah, that was good, but that's not a, that's not us. That's not us, you know. And <clears throat> yeah. and by the way, 1917 is it's very British. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not an American film. You know, um, I'm looking at it right now. I'm just going and more the, or the Irishman is that the simple thing? But I yeah. also feel like the Irishman has lost steam in public consciousness i don't feel like that's a part of the conversation i think the conversation is like oh these guys are out doing a lot of press together but it doesn't feel like did you see the irishman i haven't heard people talking about the irishman except for when it came out around thanksgiving like it just it just seems like it just kind of went away where parasite i think is a part of the conversation joker clearly is a part of the conversation uh you know, um, Marriage Story. I feel like had more conversation around it than Irishman. And
1: Marriage Story is really good. I've, I, oh we haven't yeah. even mentioned it yet in this episode. I really like Marriage Story. I love. I've Marriage seen Story. it again um, recently because I had to uh, do a Q and A with Noah Baumbach. And oh, it is awesome! Truly I love a fantastic film, and it's, I it's love strange. It. I don't know if it's because we think interpersonal emotions between a man and woman are so small that they don't feel Oscar-y to us in the way that Ford yelling at Ferrari does. No, but, but it that film is. I think, stupendously done.
0: I, I'm a, such a sucker for Noah Bombeck and his films because I think he does something, and I always try to describe it. And I, I can, I'll can, i bring it down to this one uh, little thing. He finds moments that I feel like no one else finds in their like, – universal situations that no one else has explored Mm -hmm. and there's a there's a a moment in Meyerowitz stories and he does it in marriage story too I just but this moment strikes a chord with me it was um Sandler and Ben Stiller and their dad's been in the hospital and they have this nurse and the dad's been sick and and they're kind of obsessed you know this nurse is the the lifeline of of information and, and they're seeing this nurse every day and then time has passed and they haven't seen that nurse for a while and they just embrace this nurse like oh my god I, you know they're like they're talking to her as if she's an old friend and you see this reaction from this nurse of just like oh uh who are you again cuz you know <laughs> this person is one person on her ward and i just oh it's such a human moment like and I, and i've been in those situations and those moments and i feel like he gets these like little i mean I, I don't know why that moment just sticks out to me but i've never seen anyone do that where it's like oh the excitement of seeing this attendant physician when you have a sick relative, but you don't really matter to them because you do, but it's like, yeah. but it's, that's, that's their job too. And they're seeing there's 12 families a day and it, I don't know. And, and I no, feel like and
1: he gets that, like he gets yeah. that, I think in marriage story, even just in little ways. Oh like yeah. The scene where everybody's negotiating in the conference room and they break to order salads. Love that scene. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: such a great, great moment and there's such great high comedy too I mean I think Ray Liotta is really fantastic in that movie I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for how electric he is I mean Laura Dern is just not I I think chewing scenery always comes with like a negative connotation but she's just like
1: just like you are doing the Laura Dern shoulder moves right now by the way it's fascinating
0: shoes off up on the couch I mean it's but there's such it also I think it also just shows how contentious divorce can become even when unintentional and you know the trick-or-treating and and forcing the trick-or-treating in LA and not knowing where to go and 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 you know just the uncomfortability like there's so much humor in that movie and I feel like so many people stayed away from that movie because they are like oh it's gonna make you cry like they were giving out tissues when you saw the screen like yes that movie is sad but it's not overtly sad it's like it's not about and I think I always thought that this movie was gonna be about the destruction of a marriage it it starts at that place, and there's something really beautiful about where it ends, and it's funny along the way, and it's relatable. I mean, anyone who's been through a breakup—I don't think you'd even have to say you've been through a marriage—can relate to that.
1: Yeah, and what really struck me the second watch was how much it was riffing off of just the basic stru- structure too of Greek myth. Mm. So now I'm going to sound annoying, but they're performing Electra in the plays that they're doing, so it's a way he's aware that Greek yes, myth is yeah. on. You're aware that it's on Bombach's mind. And the whole structure of it is at the beginning, they're told exactly what will happen to them if they don't listen to advice. Right. You know, if you don't listen to us, you're going to spend all your money. This is going to get very ugly. You're going to have to get these lawyers. You're all going to end up losing so much to gain very little. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then no matter what, they get brought down that same edible path towards exactly yeah. what this chorus, you know, the divorce lawyers being the chorus are. And they're even doing the thing that you see in Greek plays where – What I love about the script is that Adam Driver, especially Scarlett Johansson, slightly, because I think just the way that character is written, he is unable to articulate how he feels and what's happening to him. And she's processed it a little bit better by the start of the film. Right. But he can't really explain exactly what's on his mind. And then you have these lawyers jump in in one of the trial scenes and just – Argue the points of view for the characters exactly like a chorus yeah. would, and say like this is how you're feeling and this is what's happening, and it's even bigger than how they're feeling, and they're not even getting it totally well, right. Well, yeah, because it's everybody- but it's like this externalization of how of this inner story.
0: Well, I mean, to me, which is the most dramatic and most pivotal moment in the entire film, the moment that made me cry was the Sondheim song yeah. because he's singing like there's such an insight to that character in that moment. It it is. The final number of a musical. It is, I, that song wrecked me. Yeah. It was beautifully done.
1: And I loved that he doesn't even just know the lyrics to the song. He knows all the little asides. Mm-hmm. He's performing yes, all the character bits. Yes. That was such a theater nerd detail.
0: Oh, it's so, it's so, so good. And I, I mean, mean,
1: I would love to see him get best actor for this on this list. Like, oh. I don't love this best actor list, to be honest.
0: No, this best actor list is another, I mean, again, it's like, it's not the most exciting year. Even though yeah. I like these movies, it just sort of, it just feels like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, or who's winning, I guess, you yeah. know?
1: I mean, who's on the list? They're all fine. It's Phoenix, DiCaprio, Banderas, Driver, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Love my Two Popes.
0: I have not seen Two Popes, but I will see it because you love it so Excellent
1: much. Excellent Popage, but I, you know, I would have loved to see my Taron Egerton get on here for Rocket Man. Do I you, think he's phenomenal. Oh, I,
0: I agree with that. But do you think, and I love Adam Driver so, so much, um, But do you think that that performance is better than Joaquin Phoenix's?
1: Like was, I was, I'd say it's a tie, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I, I think Joaquim gets the I lost weight for this point.
0: Oh, bullshit. That's – no, <laughs> come on. It's not like – he's not just doing that. I feel like – I don't think that that's his style of acting. I really don't think that that's his he style. He lost 30 pounds. I, yeah, I lost 30 pounds for Black Monday season two. And, what, and you the, look great. Here's you. an Oscar. Here's uh, a, This is
1: a gold pen. Um, but,
0: <laughs> uh, no, um, I'll only get that for – if uh, if I if I gain 30 pounds. Uh, but, no, I, I don't know. I think that, that performance – is very unnerving and very different and we talked about it on the show and it clearly people have been embracing it and and yes it is showy and i guess we're going back to this whole thing what's the showy is it one shot is it you know it, you know what are we what are we embracing but i think it is more than that i think that he as a performer is more than that uh Joaquin i don't think that his i don't think his choices are motivated by that same I think, way i don't think oh, christian bale is motivated yeah. by that do
1: you think he is i think christian bale is and i think joaquin has not been but he's now he's going to get rewarded for it i think all of i think joaquin has done better work than this hmm. and he has not been right, rewarded rewarded okay. it. and so you know it's like you give a dog a bone for peeing on the floor
0: wow amy this is <laughs> really <laughs>
1: oh, no, no that's not i mean that's what we did to bale
0: Okay, but okay, let me let me say something that I, I what I love about Joaquin Phoenix clearly does not want this, right? Like yeah. not like not in a bad way. Like I think he's like this is not what he's in the business for, and what and the way that I can tell that and this is my theory on him is like he is using every moment that he gets up to win to make a speech to say something. It's not the same one; it's a different one. It's the same way I feel about Michelle Williams. I'm like fucking give her awards because I don't want really to hear her talk because she is going to have a different point of view about something and every speech is different, whether it's talking about the environment. Then he's going to do Fire Joe Fridays with uh, Jane Fonda. And then this weekend at the BAFTAs, would you just play this? Because I think this is like, he's saying, he's collecting the awards, but he's also saying, fuck you. Like, not fuck you, but like, he's using his moment and it's not about, he's not taking his moment about um, outside culture. He's not just going like, fuck Trump he's saying no, no look at where we are as a culture and I and we as like entertainment and I think that that's like super powerful and not necessarily the when you look at everybody else I mean Brad Pitt has been amazingly charming and I almost think I love Brad Pitt more for his speeches this season but and like
1: speechwriter is terrific
0: uh, <laughs> but uh you know but, he's
1: got a speechwriter. Do you think that's a speechwriter? A thousand percent.
0: I mean, that's pretty I – and mean, he has a solid
1: Congrats job. to the speechwriter. And All congrats to right. him for, for doing it so well. But.
0: He, like, he, like the one at the Baptist was pretty great, and he didn't even read it. Uh, but listen to Joaquin Phoenix at the Baptist.
2: Uh, I feel very honored and privileged uh, to be here tonight. Baptists have always been very supportive of, of my career, and I'm deeply appreciative <clears throat> But I have to say that I also feel um, conflicted because so many of my fellow actors that are deserving don't have that same privilege. Uh, I think that we send a very clear message to people of color that you're not welcome here. Um, I think that's the message that we're sending to people that have contributed uh, so much to our medium and our industry and in ways that we benefit from. Um, I don't think anybody wants a a handout or preferential treatment, although that's what we give ourselves every year. I think that people just want to be acknowledged and appreciated and respected for for their work. This is not a self-righteous condemnation because uh, I'm ashamed to say that I'm part of the problem. I have not uh, done everything in my power to ensure that the sets I work on are inclusive, uh, but I think that it's more than just having sets that are multicultural, I think that um, we have to really do the the hard work to truly understand systemic racism. Um, I, uh, I think that it is the obligation of the people that have created and perpetuate and benefit from a system of oppression to be the ones that dismantle it. So that's on us. I mean
0: that's pretty powerful stuff to say though to say those words systematic racism which which shows that he's not just giving lip service to something I think he you know he puts himself in that same category I I, I don't know I just I'm impressed from obviously he's talking about the environment he's talking about this I, if he does win I am engaged and interested to see what he will talk about at the academy
1: me too and I think it's I wonder what it's been like for him this whole award season feeling like. You're, you're traveling the circuit and doing the interviews for a film that has been very polarizing in mm-hmm. terms of, is it a moral film? Is this an immoral film? Mm-hmm. And yet Joaquin Phoenix himself is such a deeply moral person and always has been. And I, I wonder, I, I like that he's kind of reconciling that conflict by saying, if I win for a movie that I am sometimes iffy maybe about, I wonder in the conversation. Yeah. If I'm if iffy about its place in the world, at least I can use my moments up here to do good.
0: Well, I mean, to me, that is... It, it kind of, you're talking about, and we talked about like this idea, why aren't we talking about what's going on in our country? And so I think it makes it doubly hard when you get up there and everyone just gives a, a speech. Oh my gosh, it was so great, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and everyone wants to say, well, it's not the time for that. It's not the time for that. It's not the time for that. But it's like, when you look back, it's like, no, that this is the time, this is the room. And like the fact that that speech, even though we just played it, that I think it got a lot of play this weekend online, it's like, even if it gets out to, if it makes an indent on 10%, the only speech I really heard about at the BAFTAs was his. Yeah. And that's...
1: uh, And it's heard by the people in the room who can make changes.
0: Yes. And whether or not they actually do, who knows? And I think there's a million people who be like, well, why protest? Or why say anything? Blah, 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 blah. Unless you're going to make the change. It's like, well, you know what? If it affects one person, it becomes a thing. And I do think this is... I I, I don't know. I think it's an important thing to have. And I think as far as I'm concerned, I really like that he is trying to do something interesting with this time
1: I would love there's this actor i have you seen any movies yet by calvin Harrison jr he did he was in loose last year in a, a movie called waves
0: oh no oh yes I know about waves yeah yeah yeah
1: he is really terrific and like he did these two films last year that i think both actually say like I am a huge actor to be reconciled with and I'm mm-hmm. kind of bummed waves didn't make the cut I think waves is really terrific and so I guess I'm just really excited to see where our actor leading role is going to be in a couple years. Mm-hmm. You know, most of these people have been around a long time. You know, Antonio Banderas has been around my entire life, Leonardo DiCaprio. I love that we have this great class. And in a way, that's sort of what makes me want to award Driver is just to say, like, he is our future and anoint him as such. Right. Um, but Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. All of these names have been acting since the 80s.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing. Um, I know I said this is, like, not an exciting year. Like, I just want to clarify that and go, first of all, I think – the movies that we're talking about are very good. There's just like a lack of um, surprise in them to a certain degree. I think that's why Parasite's been so kind of fun because it's like, oh, this is different. And I think different is fun for me. Like, what is that movie? You know, and it, and I feel like when I read down that list of all these blockbusters, they're all sequels. They're all they, there's nothing. And where I'm excited, I think we can go to you know one of the other movies that made a ton of money this year. That was original and fun and and got people excited was, uh, Knives Out, which is you know Ryan Johnson, goes on here on the podcast and I feel like I like that a movie like Knives Out is even in this conversation because Me too. it's it's just uh, a genre done really well that also then has and what you're saying an underlying point of view about, well, what's going on? Yes, it is a murder mystery and it feels like an Agatha Christie, but it is also making a statement about class and society. So they, um, and very sneakily in a, in a, in a great way, you know, and, in, and, in, uh, and I love it. I love that he used those people. I think the way that Agatha Christie used her characters to, you know, represent different parts of culture and class. He did that in this thing and, and it worked, it worked in a major way that didn't, uh, alienate and it pull people together and you can still make a statement and make a fun movie and it can get this kind of a big award.
1: I agree and I feel like I'm setting up this domino chain in my head mm-hmm. where, you know, if we can get Knives out to an original screenplay, yeah. then that frees it up. So I feel great if Quentin Tino won directing. Right. And then that would free it up for Parasite to win Best oh Picture. My gosh. And I like this domino yes. that could exist in the world before. I mean, I I mean would if love 1917 that. wins for original screenplay, I mean, that's a video game screenplay. right? Run over here to the barn. Escape the flying plane.
0: I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, but let's talk about actresses. Um, this is an interesting year for, you know, actresses. Uh, you know, Renee Zellweger is – is clearly the front runner. And it's a movie that I have not seen, so I'm going to be very honest about it. Uh, But I've heard the movie's kind of garbage, but she's amazing in it. But it's also weird because, like, wait, what... Like this is like I've seen her on the cover of magazines. Her comeback year, no one's talking about Judy. I, I I don't know, like who's seen this movie. Why is she the front runner? And I and and believe me, I'm a I love Renee Zellweger. But I, can you
1: explain this
0: phenomenon to me?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm guilty of it. Like I profiled okay. her for Town and Country this summer because of Judy. Okay, uh, so I saw it back then, and yeah, the movie is kind of garbage, but she's amazing in it. Right, and she just to me it was such a great dovetailing of. You know, an actress, Judy Garland, who mm-hmm. was really mistreated by the system. And Renee Zellweger herself, who I think has been really mistreated by the system as well. I think she's such a talent. And when I profiled her, I went back and I read every interview she'd ever done, you wow. know, because lo- I'm a research yeah, yeah. nerd. So I start at the beginning and she shows up and it's like, oh, hey, we have the newest incarnation of Shirley MacLaine from The Apartment. Welcome. You know, and she's so yeah. cute and she's so talented and we love her. And then she does – um a lot of great films. She's really popular for a minute. She does Bridget Jones's Diary and she gains that weight. Yeah. As soon as Renee Zellweger gains weight for Bridget Jones's Diary, I swear to God, every single interview from that point on only talks to her about her weight. It's like, how'd you lose the weight? How'd you gain the weight? How'd you gain it again for the sequel? How'd you lose it again for the sequel? What do you do? What do you like to diet? And she goes from being respected for her talent and her charisma in the nineties to being like, just like, Tell me about your yoga. You like to run? And they just focus only on her body. And it got really depressing reading it. And you realize here's a woman with all this brains and talent that gets kind of ignored. And right. she and she just, you know, then whatever. And that happened. doesn't
0: happen with, you know, somebody like De Niro, who yeah. gains a ton of weight and loses weight, you know, when he's in untouchables, like, you know, and and his, you know, like the, the conversation continues of him being an actor. It's never about It's like, yes, that's an addendum. Or Christian Bale. It doesn't, like, you don't think of Christian Bale as the guy who gains and loses weight. Like, he has done it. It's interesting that he has done it. But her, it became defining.
1: Yeah. And it became a real exercise in how I never want to be as a journalist. And especially, I think, how bad we were towards female actresses in the Mm 2000s. Because then it's all like, why aren't you married? Like, how do you feel about turning 40? Like, she's been asked the rudest questions of all time for the second half of her career. Right. And so it makes sense to me why Renee Zellweger pulled back and basically didn't act for five years. Right. You know, did the Bridget Jones sequel emerge? Everybody made fun of her face, which was terrible. And so I see in her just like this raw vibrating talent that has been so damaged by Hollywood. Yeah. And so to put that into Judy Garland makes so much sense. And I think she just...
0: So it's almost like Hollywood saying we're sorry.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And we're sorry
0: because we've done it before and now... We're doing it – we did it to you and we should have learned, I mean, I guess. We should
1: have learned. And like, I think she brings all that to the role. And she has these musical numbers in Judy where you know, she doesn't sound like Judy Garland and she doesn't try to sound like Judy, Gar- Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. But she captures something in that tension yeah. and in just like that showboating need. And I got – when she starts singing like Somewhere Over the Rainbow in the film, you're like, oh, because you're looking at this woman yeah. with all of this potential that's been frizzled out, too many bad husbands, too much drinking – too much yeah. self-defeating behavior. It's not a flattering portrait of how Judy, even no. herself, carried herself in the world. And it's just so vulnerable. And yeah, the movie's garbage. If the movie was great around it,
0: yeah. well, I mean,
1: it'd, it'd be like an absolute knockout.
0: Well, it, look, I again, I can't speak to her performance in that. But I have to say that the, the miss for me in this category is Lupita in Us. I mean, that was, I mean, a really electric performance that, I mean, again, we're talking about the Academy saying, I want to see something show stopping I want to see something really, you know, I want to see the magic trick. And I feel like that, that's a performance. I mean, just not to be on this list is interesting to me. I, I don't know how she misses this list um, because she's so damn good. I mean, and we're talking about, a, you know, a category that is always struggling. I, you know, I think that the other people on this, on this list, I think Charlize is uh, amazing and bombshell. I think, Saoirse Ronan does a great job. I, I'm a fan. Uh, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, great. I would have put her for Jojo Rabbit over Marriage really? Story.
1: I'd put her for a Marriage Story. That, yeah. that one take shot of her explaining what happened oh, in her yeah, marriage that relationship was great. to Darn is so good. Cynthia Erivo, I feel so conflicted because when I first saw her in – Bad Times at the El Royale last year. And yeah, then I was, yeah. I was like, holy shit. You're right. Like, this is the Cynthia person. Yeah. yeah, I was like, this is the person who's going to win an EGOT, EGOT. And we'll be like, who's this? Yeah. And then she gets nominated the next year. But she's. I don't think Harriet's very good. And I don't think she's very good in it. So I feel conflicted.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know who you knock out in this category because these are all great performances. But I just feel like Lupita not being on this list is shocking to me
1: the one that breaks my heart is sienna miller for american woman which is a movie nobody saw oh yeah and you couldn't get any traction on it but sienna miller is so amazing in this movie it's a story about a woman whose teenage daughter goes missing at the very beginning yeah and it's just the next like 20 years of her life basically you watch her kind of grow up grow up with the kid it's like well, 15 years you watch her fall in love again you just watch this like ordinary woman grow up herself and it's Oof. Absolutely unbelievable. It's truly one of the best acting performances I've ever seen, and nobody saw this movie, so it makes me really sad. Um, also, at Lafco we gave Best Actress to Mary Kay Place for a movie called Diane, which also nobody saw.
0: Would A Portrait of a Lady on Fire even be eligible in this category? I mean, I guess it could be because, I mean, Parasite is there, but, I mean, I've heard that the performance of the lead in that film is a- amazing. It like, is
1: good. She's good. I saw her in a Sundance movie where she played a girl who's in love with with a carnival ride, and they have a lot of sex with the carnival ride. She, like, rides the ride I at night.
0: I love that. I mean, you know, I'm obsessed with that idea of people being in love with inanimate objects.
1: There's a very under-the-skin sequence in it. It's called Jumbo.
0: By the way, they're making that into a TV show now. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Well, she has, like, sex sort of in this surrealistic world with the carnival ride, and she gets covered in oil in this all-white landscape. Whoa. Yeah.
0: I'm excited. Um, You know, I know we're, we're kind of busting through this because I want to get to uh, the spoolies, but – Supporting actors, I'm all in. This is a great. This is a great mix. I just, uh, you know, let's let's not uh, separate them. Let's just put them together and just like you got. I just think you guys have uh, really fantastic choices across the board here. Uh, we already talked about Laura Dern. Oh, I guess Scarlett Johansson is nominated for Jojo Rabbit. Here as a supporting. Hmm. Oh, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, that she was nominated twice.
1: Yeah, I mean for supporting, ah, I'd kind of love. I mean. To me, Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers makes me sad.
0: I think that she should have been on this list.
1: The other ones are Billy Lord and Booksmart, because she fucking killed.
0: She, the fact that she's not on this list is shocking to me. Me Shocking. It's she is amazing in that. Really, really, really great.
1: Absolutely. And then the last one is I. I am shocked she's not on this too. And I really feel like this is a huge miss. Mm -hmm. Divine Joy Randolph for Dolomite is my name. Oh yeah, she was the she best great. part. I liked that movie, and she was the absolute best part of a movie that yes. I liked a lot. She's so incredible. I, and she was in two movies at Sundance this year too. And I'm like, Divine Joy Randolph, this is your time. Like, I wish she was here to announce that we yes. were entering the Divine Joy oh, Randolph I would love era. That.
0: Do you think that Anna Armas uh, from *Knives Out* should be on that list?
1: I think Anna Armas' next film. Okay. Well, not James next Bond. next, Not the James Bond one. I think she's a really magnetic actress. Hmm. Um. I wanna see I wanna see what else she does now. Okay. I, like now that she has been a star. Because I've been watching her since she was in that really crazy Keanu Reeves movie. Oh yeah. Um, where uh, she plays like knock knock. Knock knock. Where it's like this like crazy threesome happening and like she's broken and evil. Yeah. I mean she's just alive.
0: I, I really like her a lot. I mean, I like her a lot. And you're talking about like electric and alive performances. I I we we barely touched on it, but Uncut gems because like, I was just thinking like who else gave great supporting acting roles? And I was like, Well, I love the Keith in Knives Out. Yeah. And i like, but I fucking love the Keith in Uncut Gems. And I think he's such a great actor, and we've talked about him now numerous yeah. times. He,
1: you know he's like tied for my well yes. second place of my top two favorite. I
0: gems. love it. Well, who's now number one?
1: It's Michael Shannon.
0: Oh, okay. Um but Lakeith is both roles so different. Uh Uncut Gems, I mean I also think uh Sandler was Completely, yeah. completely robbed.
1: Completely. Uh, and honestly, Kevin Garnett was really good, and I yes, I would be happy with a Kevin look, Garnett supporting actor nomination.
0: I would take. I mean, look, I would take. I, I, there, you can make an argument for a lot of the actors in Uncut Gems. Yeah. I mean, just the intimidation factor of the guy, the heavy, uh, you know, and yeah, that guy, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, not Bogosian. No, the no, guy, uh, the guy who he hires, oh, who yeah. has never really acted before. I mean, there's just. I mean, that's the safeties. I mean. I could go on. We've been trying to get the Safties on this show uh to talk and maybe we'll do it around home uh, video release. But there that is a that is a treasure bin of great performances, great directing, great screenplay. It, like talk about alchemy as far as creating a very interesting, unique film. Wow, like a hundred percent. Like so I guess that all goes without saying that I think uh, there's an argument you can make for a lot of these different people, a lot of those players.
1: Very much. And, I, you know, I also wish Shia LaBeouf was on here for Honey Boy as a supporting oh, actor. yes.
0: You know, I've talked to so many people who said that that's their favorite movie of the year, Honey Boy.
1: Honestly, I feel like that movie is a strong contender for everything. I feel like it should have been up for directing. Well, it, that's it. That the directing, yeah. It's a screenplay. It That is a beautiful movie. And it, it, it's heartbreaking to me that people didn't recognize No, people
0: – yeah, that one I, I've heard from so many people how much I loved it. And, you know, then I think the best – you know, I think Brad Pitt does give an amazing performance in uh, Once Upon a Time. And that looks like he's the shoe in there. And, and Joe Pesci I was so well – you know, so much talk about Joe Pesci. And I think his performance is really good. But he kind of just got overshadowed by it kind of happens like this. This kind of whoosh. You know, this – this, you know, this wave, it's, it's the Brad Pitt wave. We want to give it to Brad Pitt. It's like, let's give it to Brad Pitt. And there's something like, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. That uh, Manola just wrote this great article with this amazing visual in the, the last week's New York times of basically him as David. It's uh, beautiful. It's a good article, but it was it's a
1: really good article about like how beauty might've been hold, holding him back yeah in the stages of cliches and talking about Brad Pitt, like reaching the cliche where you're like, he's a. He's just a supporting player in a leading man's body. Yeah. And he's a like, character actor who just happens to be really hot.
0: But that's, I mean, that's also, I mean, we talked about this a little bit too. I think DiCaprio has that idea too. Like DiCaprio, I think my favorite DiCaprio's are when he's a little bit more character-y. Like I, I like when he's not like, I don't think that he picks typical leading men roles, mm-hmm. but I think the more he can play within a character is when I'm most engaged by him. Like, yeah, I mean, know? and
1: nobody paid attention when he did Ad Astra. I, I, I feel like... You should do this movie, please. I, yes. mean, I have never really made a request of a movie that I think you should do on How Did This Get yeah. Made. I'm going to do it now. All right, yeah. Here's here's the parameter. Okay. If he wins Best Supporting Actor,
0: uh-huh.
1: just try. Try to do this film. It's called The Dark Side of the Sun. Okay. It is unbelievable. It's from 1988. It's before he's famous. Okay. Um, He plays a guy who is allergic to the sun. He's like a young rich kid who lives in this giant villa. I think it's supposed to be set in Italy. I think they shot it in like Bulgaria or something. Oh my gosh. But he's allergic to the sun. So he can't go outside. It's a
0: Yugoslavian drama film.
1: Yugoslavian drama film. He spends the movie, the first half of it, wearing an all leather black gimp mask, zipper on the mouth, whole thing, can't see Whoa. his face because he's allergic to the sun. He'll die if he gets in the sun. I'm looking
0: at some pictures. Wow. So he's like
1: cruising around in this thing and then he falls in love. So he decides to take the gimp mask off and he goes swimming. He gets hit in the face by a dolphin, which is just an outtake that they kept in. Um, but, it, like, I swear what? to God, there's this moment where he takes off the mask for the first time and the camera gets to see Brad Pitt. He's like a teenager and he's just Prince Charming. Boom. Wow. Close up. It is the Looniest movie, and I want you to do it.
0: All right, we're going like, to. It's on the list. It's on the list. Uh, I like it all. I feel like for the most part, we've been hearing a lot about what we think, but want to see what the uh, the uh, spoolies think. These are our listeners who are on our Unspooled Facebook group, and sadly, we're not featured in the Super Bowl ad of the best Facebook groups, and that is a shocking omission Super Bowl ad. Um, but uh, let's kind of go down their list because I think they are kind of in the same vein that we are. Um, uh, adaptive screenplay, because that's something we haven't talked about here in the Oscars, and I feel like There's a real big uh, movie in this that we haven't even really touched on yet in our conversation, which is uh, Little Women, which is, you know, uh, a movie that's been done before and a movie that I think has had a little bit of controversy around it because, you know, people weren't even showing up to the Academy screenings of this film. And this is Greta Gerwig's follow up film. Uh, I love this movie. I thought this movie was great. Are you a fan of Little Women, or is that that your jam?
1: I mean, I'm a fan of the movie. I'm a fan of this movie. I grew up, you know, I had this mother who was very much always trying to instill in me feminist ideals. And for some reason, when I was a child, I hated that. Yeah. And I was like, what? But she spent my entire childhood giving me, like, inspirational books about young women who did important things in history and trying to read Little Women to me at night. And I was just like, no, give me Stephen King. Um, I love that. So yeah, I was always against Little Women because so I just thought it was like old. Yeah, and I think she no. That's it.
0: how I felt about it too. Like I mean, nor, like when I remember seeing the Winona Ryder one, I was like, all right, this yeah. is like yeah.
1: I feel like my mom would always be like, they were happy getting an orange for Christmas. Why do you need a present? Mm. So I was like, screw all that, screw those Little Women. Uh, but no, I loved this movie. It was so vital because my main memory of Little Women being only half interested in it growing up was that the person who had my name was a bitch. And I was like, great. right? Uh, and that I couldn't wait for the one who dies to die. I was like, she's boring. Let her die. <laughs> um, but this movie, I still couldn't wait for the one who dies to die because like, I've never cared about that character. I'm, I don't know. But, but to see Florence Pugh make a case for Amy trying just to make the best out of her circumstances, yes. being like, oh, here's the landscape. I can't do much unless I marry. Well, then I'm going to marry the coolest fucking dude and I'm going to get rich. How do you feel about that? I love that. It was like such a validation of... Doing the best with what you can, living well, in that world and being tough about it.
0: I mean, I, yeah, I'll i just say, like, I am becoming more and more of a fan of Greta Gerwig. Not that I wasn't, but I just, I I loved, you know, Lady Bird. Uh, I really, really love this. And this one took me by surprise because I think she did something, and I'm sure people can come at me and, and tell me I'm wrong, but that I haven't seen many people do, which is Modernize a period piece like that movie felt vibrant. It felt in the now. It felt um, smart and funny, and it didn't. It didn't push you away. It also looked beautiful. I mean, shot on film. It looks, you know, she is such um, a meticulous director. I've listened to her speak about you know everything from the costumes to the to uh, you know the rooms to. You know, how she did rehearsals with these characters and made them all perform for each other. You know, like you can tell there's something really special going on with that cast. I-, I think, again, the same way we talk about Once Upon a Down in Hollywood, it's like well-written, well-directed, and you can make an argument for everyone in that cast. It's really, really well done, really well yeah, told. Yeah, and
1: I think she saw through that book. She saw through it better than I ever did when I was a kid. Yeah. And she saw the vibrancy of it that I missed. Yeah. When I was little, because I was like, oh, tedious. They all try to yeah. do the right thing, blah, 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 blah. And she saw this story about what it's like to be a young woman and think that the world is so clear and you know exactly what you're going to do and you're not going to make any compromises and you are ready to take on the world. And it 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 only, after the fact, it reminded me of like when I was a teenager, I thought I could do fucking anything and yeah. I was ready and I was bossy. And I in the book, Smart Model too. you know, yeah. you feel like you can take it all on. And it's not that you get more cynical with age, or maybe it is exactly that you get more cynical with age, but I've never had quite that purity of, like, fuck yeah world that I did when I was a 15-year-old girl. And that was just here. And that's what made, I think, Little Women feel so alive.
0: I I totally agree. It's a sh- I mean, it's, it's shocking that she's not nominated as a director. I'm always blown away. And we talked about this a little while ago in the other episodes, like, how do you nominate a movie for best picture but not director? It seems to me that everything I know about movies, from being in them and from seeing them be made, is it is a director's medium. It is not a producer's medium where oftentimes when it's best picture, it's the producers are, you know, like – it is a director's medium. The reason why that is good, the reason why the script is better, you know, the reason why the performances are there, the reason why it's edited the way it is, the music, everything. Like, yes, producers are amazing, but it is the director's vision to be like that's the only movie that doesn't have, you know, or not the only movie. It's it, it is, you know, that that I just I, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around it, especially because they've already shown that they like her, you know, like you know she's already broken that glass ceiling, like, and I could I could see it. An argument made for somebody else who had not, because well, oh, we don't know this person, whatever. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I, you know, I really loved it. I
1: mean, I am hoping. You, know, my favorite thing that I think I saw at Sundance. By the way, I saw the new Lonely Island movie, the one that's like Groundhog's Day, but you're trapped at a wedding in Palm Springs. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I <laughs> heard cute. it. It's cute. It's cute. I, I it sold for 69 cents higher than the
1: than yeah. um than uh the Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Uh, but I saw this movie, Promising Young Woman, that's coming out. Uh huh. It's directed by Emerald Fennel. It's the one that has Carrie Mulligan. Oh,
0: everyone talks about this one. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is unbelievable. And I saw that movie with like a group of variety people. We all like went out for a giant steak dinner and then went to an eleven thirty showing of it. And because none of us were reviewing it, we all had flasks of whiskey. Well, two of us had flasks of whiskey. Other people shared from ours. Um, And we left. And two of us worshipped it. One of them was like just blown away and trying to figure out what he thought, and another one hated it. But all of us came up being like Emerald Fennel is a director. She is a capital D director. Like you feel her personality, her intelligence, her her screwing with you as the audience. Yeah. You're in command of somebody who knows exactly what they're doing. And I'm like, Emerald Fennel, I am all on, as like the female director of the future that I really hope we recognize next year. I think that film's gonna be polarizing as hell, but she is the real deal.
0: I, I I'm excited to see it. All right, so um, Adaptive screenplay, our spoolers picked Little Women over the runner-up, which was uh, Jojo Rabbit. Um, and let's go to – We want to take a couple? I'll take a couple? Yeah, let's yeah. take
1: a couple. I mean, one thing that I like that the unspoolies do – and by the way, I want to give a shout-out to the people who put the unspoolies together. It's Holden Martinson. It's Michael Lindzenman. It's Adam CZ and Shay Casey. Thank you guys so much. I can't imagine what it's like to get all this balloting together and also to come up with cool new categories. Like yes, I love these. Youth performer. The winner for Youth Performer went to Caitlin Deaver for Booksmart, who so is so good. Unbelievable. Also, she's also great and unbelievable. And the runner up was Roman Griffith Davis for JoJo Rabbit. Very Fantastic. adorable little kid. I love those curls. Voiceover performance, they gave it to Tony Hale for Toy Story 4. Which
0: I have to say is a beautiful job of creating a brand new character that is so beloved, so instantly forky. I mean, obviously, it's partly Pixar, but it's also partly Tony. And, you know, um, I love it. I love that character. I love it so much. I love the shorts on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's a fun, fun character, and he did a great job. And the runner-up there was Billy Eichner. Um, production design, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, winner of that, and the runner-up was Parasite.
1: I'm glad for that. Like, I actually gave the award to the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood production designer for Lafka because she also won for Lafka. Oh, yeah. And if I can just talk for a second about her. yeah. Her name is Barbara Ling, and she is maybe the only person who loves Los Angeles as much as Quentin Tarantino. She was a teenager in the 60s here in L.A. It's the first time they've worked together because I think Quentin was like, for this movie, I need somebody who knows and cares about this city. She also did, like, Less Than Zero. She did um, The Doors. So she gets L.A. She's captured L.A. in so many interesting moments in its life. And the stuff they did to put it together, that they did that movie practically. They did it. Not just a movie about Old Hollywood, but in the old Hollywood technique without just cGing everything to make it look right that they I, shut down the one oh one
0: I mean, I remember I remember when they were shooting in front of the arc light and they had replaced everything, and it was it was such a great. It was such a fun way to walk through. I mean, that was when you were driving up and down Hollywood Boulevard, you'd see, you know, just flip flops of everything that you were, you know, it was it was happening. It was really, really cool. and you didn't know what the movie was about. It was really, really fun. We go through it more costume design, Little Women. I totally agree with that. We talked about how great that was and how deliberate that was. The runner-up, uh, Dolomite is my name. Also, also fun. Yeah, really fun. Uh, original score, Little Women, runner-up, Us. That's interesting. Um, I don't know if the score resonated to me on Little Women. Uh, it wouldn't be my first one. Um,
1: I really love the score this year for I Lost My Body. That was my mm. score of the year. I mean,
0: well, I think a lot of people are also saying uh, like Joker has been winning a lot of for score. And, yeah. and I do think that because, cool, man. she's really, really cool. I, I, there's something about her that I really like, too. And I, I like, you know, again, I don't want to not throw uh, attention to Joker, but I think that that, you know, this this listens a little anti Joker uh, just basing looking at it. Um, but I, I think that score is something that is actually really cool in that movie. Um
1: so for original song, the spillies gave it to "I'm Gonna Love Me Again" from Rocket yes, Man. Yes, thank you, you for some that. Rocket Man love on that. And the runner-up was a movie that also I, I'm glad to get recognized: Glasgow, and no place I come from, Wild Rose, because Jesse Buckley, real deal. She's a real deal actress.
0: I, I want to just you know we we have sound mixing. They gave it to 1917 over Ford versus Ferrari. But then they uh, I want to talk about two categories together, which is sound editing. Most likely, sound editing is going to go to 1917. My gut is that's what's going to happen. And I really love that they gave it to Avengers Endgame because when you look at that movie like that, nothing is happening. Like, nothing is, you know, like, they're creating all those sounds. I am blown away by the work of the people at Skywalker Sound and what they do. I worked up there this year. It It is mind blowing what they are doing how they are creating these sounds and the fact that you don't acknowledge how good they are is a testament to how good they are you know uh, and and i think you when know, you're working with cgi and all that sort of stuff to find those things and find those unique i just give a lot of i give a lot of props to heavy cgi movies to create that that sound editing, I think that that's a really tough, uh, a tough thing.
1: Yeah. What is the sound of one hand counting seventy billion dollars?
0: Yeah, well, there you go. Ask Bob Iger. Uh, <laughs> and then um, that was for visual effects and sound editing. Uh, makeup and hairstyling went to Bombshell in their uh, list, which I think you that the pretty strong. It can make a strong case for yeah, that. Yeah, very
1: much. Even just what they did to John Lithgow and the runner-up was Little Women. And I find I'm glad that people noticed the makeup and hairstyling in Little Women because. I, I, you know, I keep hearing the critique that people got very confused watching that movie. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to figure it out. And I wonder if part of it is that some people aren't as attuned to watch for changes in hairstyling and makeup as other audiences. Because right, right. as a person who's always looking at the hairstyle yeah. and makeup, I was like, I know exactly what timeline we're in. Right, yeah,
0: you see that. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, stunt coordination, John Wick 3. Uh, another great, you know, look, this is... Uh, this is their own category. Obviously, there is no category for stunts, which is a shame in the Academy Awards, especially as we get into all these giant blockbusters and these amazing stunts. And, you know, I think Keanu Reeves is an amazing stuntman. So David Leach, you know, obviously comes from that background, pulls together the best people, and of course has a clipper in it, Boban, fighting in that scene. Love Boban, uh, former clipper. Um but I think that, you know, like, you know, I, I'm I'm happy to see a little stunt. I mean, I'm surprised that we haven't put stunts in the Academy Awards yet. Um, ensemble cast. Uh Parasite over Knives Out for them. Those are their two. I agree with that. That's
1: solid choice. Solid choice.
0: I, I would go with Knives Out over Parasite. I'd only in the sense of I, I feel like Parasite was a it's a good ensemble, but like Knives Out is like an uns en- I don't know, there's something about it. It's like such a massive cast that's equally weighted. I think. Like, they really are dealing with, like, four people in Parasite, give or take. Uh, whereas, I mean, Knives Out is really, like, yeah. they, they, to walk away and be like, I know I can talk about every one of those characters. I yeah. know, though. And that's, uh, you know, I think that there's something really, I don't know, I think really well written. And I mean, they, my
1: only issue with the Knives Out casting is just that for having my two favorite actors, they didn't seem to be giving my favorite performances of those actors. That Michael oh, okay. Shannon wasn't ultra Michael Shannony.
0: Yeah, but I feel like, but that's an actor though. He can't, he like, he can't always be that. Like, I think he did a great job. I liked that he was a little bit more low status than you normally see him.
1: I like that he's when he's whiny. Um, um, cinematography they gave it to 1917. Runner up: mm-hmm. Lighthouse. Film editing also Parasite. Um, well, I like that Parasite's also cleaning up in the technical categories. Yeah. runner up was 1917. Animated feature. The Spoolies gave it to Toy Story 4 with the right. runner-up I Lost My Body. I could be happy at least with I Lost My Body at second place. That movie so good if people haven't seen it.
0: I'm going to go see it. And I, I want to just give a shout-out for Toy Story 4. I, you know, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I really love the theme that they're dealing with in that movie. I, You know, every one of the Pixar movies has so much weight to it. And I like this idea of, like, Knowing when it's not time to give up, but it's like, you know, I think we're talking about this idea that each one of these <laughs> Toy Story movies are like about an idea of like how we are in our profession. And I feel like this is the time where I was like, and now I, my usefulness is over and I'm going into this you know, his retirement with this person that he's actually like, he's he doesn't have to work anymore. He can just make himself happy and, and make this choice. I thought there was something really sweet and beautiful about that. And it's this heavy concept to have in a kid's movie and a beautiful one. I know that you don't like any of these movies, so whatever. But, no, no uh, I'm just,
1: now I'm thinking about Toy Story 5 being set at the Pixar offices, and it's all the pens and pencils of the animators at Pixar being like, maybe it's time you retire us as well. Can we please be retired? No, stop it. I love all those movies. (laughs) Uh,
0: Documentary feature, Apollo 11. Amy, it's my hands down the best documentary. I think I would put it up as I've ever seen in a sense only because – what they did for Apollo 11. They had they got all this footage. They were able to transfer it. It was never able to be transferred before. We are watching history in a way. I That movie, I've talked about that movie more than anything I've seen. And like, there's a lot of sensational documentaries. I gotta see it. Oh my gosh. Da, da, da. But that, whoa, holy shit.
1: It is I mean, a huge feat. It's, it's, it's history. It's amazing that like, watching another Apollo 11 story is as riveting as it is. I am fascinated by, the emotions I felt watching Apollo 11 were just like, this is a time when we could come together. Like, mm. it's one of the most divisive years in American history. And yet, to see that when this country makes its mind up to do something big, yeah. you can look at all of these people, you know, in, in Florida with the, the crazy sunglasses oh, on and the crazy it. outfits, drinking the old beer, watching that rocket go up in the sky, it, it, it was really emotional. I loved it. And I think American Factory is a runner-up. Also a great choice. I really yeah. enjoyed American Factory really a lot. Good. Honeyland, if people haven't seen Honeyland. I Do you know what Honeyland is about? No. It's about a macedonian beekeeper okay a woman who lives in a very small hut with her mother and they get these neighbors who move in next door to okay. their macedonian bee farm and it's this dude who has a lot of kids and they don't care so much about how to properly raise bees and they wind up just fucking up her life oh and it's wow the smallest story but it's also about you know environmentalism and yeah. and commerce and a little bit of like macho know-it-all this guy being like Rah, i'm just gonna cut down the bee tree and she's like no I love that. It's really lovely.
0: Um, they they created a category called non-English language feature and, and uh, Parasite won for that. And Ron Up was Portrait of a Lady, which we talked about. They have another thing called First uh, first Feature, which I love. And that's something that, you know, kind of um, what uh, the Spirit Awards has, which mm-hmm. is I think we should be embracing that. And I think we could get more people involved. Booksmart and the Farewell tied. Um, I think that that's actually I love that. I love that. And the runner-up was Last uh, Black Man in San Francisco.
1: Which I'm glad Joe Talbot got because that same shiver I was just saying into seeing um, Promising Young Woman, that's how I absolutely felt in Last Black Man in San yeah. Francisco. Here is a director.
0: I love it. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Brad Pitt. Uh, runner-up, uh, Soon Kang Ho from Parasite.
1: That's who we awarded at last.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, really, really good. Uh, supporting Actress, Florence Pugh from Little Women. And then their runner-up was Jennifer Lopez. I don't disagree with that, but I feel like Lord Dern. I don't. I loved her in that movie. I how don't many, know. How could you take it away from Lord Dern? Can
1: we make another secondary bet? How yeah. many Oscars do you think Florence Pugh is going to win by the time she dies? Oh,
0: she's going to get some Oscars. She's so good. She's so, so good. I feel
1: like you could nominate her for basically anything she did. She was even really good in fighting with my family. Well, that's what people she'd are been saying. On for
0: no, uh, yeah, she's great. Um, I just feel like I love. Uh, I don't know. I just love. I love Laura during this year, but I also, I mean, you know, look, yeah, this, is, this is supporting is the best category. They should have two winners for each one because it's so. That's where all the best performances are, in my opinion. I always feel like, oh yeah, I I, I can't argue against this. Lead actor they gave it to Adam Driver in Marriage Story, so they're kind of on your page there. And their runner up was Adam Sandler, not Joaquin Phoenix, breaking from tradition. Um,
1: Double Adams.
0: Yeah. Uh, they also recognize a
1: split uh, Adam vote.
0: <laughs> Adams are breaking up the vote. Uh, Lupita, they recognized her for lead actress, and the runner up was Saoirse Ronan. Um, do you think Saoirse Ronan deserves like in that category? Like, I thought she was really, really fantastic, and I sometimes feel like it's not a showy role, but she's so capable in like there. Like, I felt that way about Adam Sandler. Like, mm. you watch uncut gems, and you're like, oh, this movie, and you're like, oh fuck, Adam Sandler's doing something masterfully, but it's like, it's not necessarily like, I'm acting, you know, we were talking about this yeah. idea, like, it's like, it's just, it's carrying the whole movie on its back. They both do. I think Adam and uh, Sersha, and, but it's understated, which sometimes I don't think gets as much recognition. No. It,
1: and I mean, the truth is, I could see the next 40 years of Hollywood in a way getting really boring because everything Saoirse does is so great. Yeah. Everything Florence does is so great. Everything that Margot Robbie does is so great. They could probably just be nominated and take up three acting spots, acting spots for the rest of the year forever.
0: Yeah. For whatever <laughs>
1: they're doing, whatever <laughs> doing they're doing that year will probably get nominated.
0: Uh, you know what? I like i am I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not against seeing these people in these movies.
1: And now we're in down to the last two. For director, their winner was Bong joon Ho for Parasite, runner-up, Greta Gerwig, Little Woman. Great, love that. And motion picture. Bump da da Parasite. Parasite, and then their
0: runner-up, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
1: I can't argue with that. I'm not, I'm not mad at
0: that. I'm not mad at this list. Uh, spoolies, you did it, you did it well. Um, Amy, do you want to make a bet? You and I will fill out our Oscar ballots after this episode, and we'll see who got the most right. You want? I mean, try I can it?
1: tell you, you're gonna win now. Right. <laughs> uh, do you want to bet on how many more you're gonna get right than me?
0: No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, do you want to make any bold prediction? Do you want to make any bold prediction for the Oscars this week? I'm gonna make one. Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel comes out on stage to present an award. That's my bold prediction. I don't I don't know if he's been announced. I'm gonna type it in right now. This is gonna be a surprise Oscar presenter. Let's say Vin Diesel, Oscar presenter. And he's gonna say we're family. <laughs> That's when I'm I'm gonna predict Vin Diesel on that stage saying the word my family. That's my bold prediction.
1: Okay, you know what? To make this a true FF competition, yeah. I'm gonna say the rock comes out. Oh yeah, and yeah. says we're family.
0: Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's not his catchphrase, but yeah. All right, sure. All right. <laughs> um Amy, a pleasure talking about the Oscars. Tune us in next week for Sound of Music. We're back at it. We'll kind of have a little Oscar reaction at the top, and then we'll get into Sound of Music.
1: Oh, let's make you guys sing. What if we took, I would say, the easiest song to sing, the, the, the least screw upable if you are me. Uh do a deer. Why don't you call into us sing do a deer. We'll, we'll make it up all into a whole mashup. Let's all harmonize together like we are the Vaughn Schools. Our phone number is as always 747-666-5824. That's 747-666-5824. <laughs>